Hey, what's going on, everybody? It is episode number 134 of the Audible Farm podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Couchtown Coffee. Couchtown Coffee is roasted right here in Iowa, and I'm actually drinking some right now. Couchtown Coffee is uh, so good that I started gifting it to some of my friends just to let them try it out. They say, hey, I want to try some of that before I buy it. So I've been uh, grinding some here and there and giving it away. And a lot of them are saying, I don't usually drink my coffee black, but I decided to give it a try. And guess what? They're loving it. So that's a good testament to how awesome Couchtown Coffee actually tastes when people that usually put a lot of things in their coffee to zhuzh it up don't have to actually do any of that. So go to CouchtownCoffee.com. Find a coffee you like. Make an order, and when you do make an order, enter the code word Audible Farm, and they'll give you 20% off. That's all you got to do. Just make an order and say, hey, Audible Farm sent us here. I love the coffee. I would love that 20% off. And they'll, and they'll do it for you. Why? Because Couchtown Coffee is that awesome. Couchtown is roasted by a musician himself, and that's one of my favorite things about it. So thanks, Andrew. This episode is also brought to you by... The Broken Strings Foundation. Broken Strings is a not-for-profit organization with a 367 campaign attempting to give a guitar to a student in every school district in Iowa, and they recently gave away their first guitar, and it, uh, man, it made me happy to watch that happen. I'm uh, very indirectly associated with it. I just kind of hang around the people that do a lot of the work, and that's one of my favorite things about about this organization is the fact that they're, they're just hard at it. They're, they're running some fundraisers here and there. A lot of people are really starting to get behind it and support it. So if you're looking for something fun to support for a great cause, check out Broken Strings. There's some links down below. This episode, I am sitting down with Matt Woods. Matt Woods has been on the podcast before. He's one of my favorite people to talk to because... You know, he's he just he just works hard all the time on music, and that's one of my favorite things about him. You know, he's so dedicated, and uh, man, he's good at his craft. If you guys don't believe me, uh, there's some links down below for that as well, but don't click them quite yet. Let's listen to some of this interview here. Uh, Matt's got a, a show coming up. It's April 24th, and it's in Humboldt, Iowa. That's my uh, that's where I you know hang my hat sometimes. So uh, I'm definitely going to that one. It's going to be at 716, which is um, well, it's a venue in in Humboldt. It used to be called Rustics, but it's 716 now, and I'm stoked for that one. I'm totally going to go. It's the 50th anniversary of the radio station in this area, so. Check that show out. PK Mayo is also going to be there, so it's going to be tons of fun. We, we found out in this interview that Matt's going to bring the full band, and I am stoked for that because I've seen him solo, and I've seen him with you know a couple other acts here and there, and I'm stoked to see him as a full band. I hope you guys enjoy this interview. We go over all sorts of things, um, including getting lessons from Matt, his Patreon page, and more, and I actually just subscribed to the Patreon page that he has, and I, I cruised through some of the videos it's gold money. It is gold money. We talk about it a little bit in this episode, but uh, like I said, just check the links out. Enjoy the interview. I love sitting down talking with Matt. He's such a great guy. So this is episode 134 with Matt Woods of Matt Woods Roots Music. It's the Audible Farm Podcast with your host, Peter Stockdale. Alrighty, so today I'm sitting down with Matt Woods, 
If you guys are uh, noticing a little bit of dodgy connection on Matt's end, it's because he lives in the country, and it's that country internet. But there is video on the Patreon if you guys are watching, so uh, thanks to everybody watching over there. So, Matt, it's good to have you back here. Yeah, thank, likewise. Thanks. Happy to be here. Absolutely. Absolutely. First and foremost, uh, right at the very top of the podcast here, I would like to say, uh, Matt, you got a show coming up, and it is um, in Humboldt, April 24th, 2021. It's the 50th anniversary of our radio station here, and they invited you to come play, and I couldn't be happier. Uh, all I gotta Me say, too. <laughs> dude, it's so fun to know that uh our town that doesn't have too much music actually still brings in music and uh i'm super stoked to have you come through and uh play here that's going to be at 716 which is like a new bar restaurant place here in town it actually looks really nice they've had a little bit of music here and there so they're not foreign to the concept of having music in the building um and you're gonna be playing with i believe pk mayo is that right yeah i i think there's gonna be two bands that night one night is, or the first band is going to be my band. And then, yeah, uh, Paul Mayasich from Twin Cities, his band is going to play after us, I, I think. So you're bringing a full band to that show? Yeah. Yep. Woo. Oh, that's going to be killer. <laughs> I am so stoked for that. And uh, we haven't, we haven't played, we haven't played, the three of us haven't played together in, you know, a year or more. So we're, we're ready to, uh, to fire, ready to fire away. That's awesome. Cause, uh, you know, I've seen you, I mean, I've driven to Iowa city and, and other places to go see you. Cause like I said, it, it's, there's not a pile of local music around here, but you did actually come up in my neck into the woods, um, into Fort Dodge and played a show not terribly long ago with, uh, Dustin Arbuckle. And, uh, I, I am going to apologize here. I think the last time I had somebody on and we talked about that show, uh, we misnamed Dustin. So, uh, Dustin Arbuckle, the uh, amazing harmonica player. Smustin Charnuckle. Charnuckle. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, that was such a fun time to come see you up there. And uh, I brought a couple of my buddies with me and I was like, dude, you got to check this out. This is some this is some wild music because like like we said, there's not many people playing your style of music. You play uh, roots and blues and uh, the roots music is is not. I don't want to say it's not common, but it's a uh, it's it's a unique style that uh, is maybe I don't want to say dying out either, but it's not it's just not common. Um, we talked a little bit in the last podcast about how you kind of got started into that, but uh, did you ever take any formal lessons for that, or did you just kind of buddy up with some people and and trade licks here and there until you have figured it all out? Yeah, yeah. I mostly I mostly learned the old fashioned way, which is just um, asking a lot of questions and. Uh, listening to stuff and trying to pick up what I heard on, on records and CDs and things. Um, I started taking lesson. I took lessons eventually, but I was well into my playing. So, um, I probably, I don't know, several years into my playing when I'd already been gigging quite a bit and whatever, I, I did start taking lessons with a guy named Rob Lombard in Des Moines, who's kind of a finger style master. And I, that's how I learned to play with my fingers, you know, play that style of music. So, um, yeah, so I, I guess I did eventually take lessons, but I kind of learned, learned, like I said, the old fashioned way, just from picking up things where I could, I, I'd go to see, I don't know how much information you want on the subject, but I, I would go to, um, a club in Des Moines called blues on grand, which at the time was a major kind of stop on routing stop for a lot of these national touring acts. And so I got to, I basically, I always say I kind of grew up in that club. I 
I learned a lot there. I was able to not only see a lot of my heroes from five feet away, but also I just able to talk to them and, and uh, you know, pick their brains about a lot of things, not only playing related, but, you know, business, how to run, how to run their business and how they run their business and how they handle bands and people that, you know, are in their sort of creative circle and things like that. So I just can't, you know, can't underestimate what I learned from that situation. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's an important lesson. A lot of people uh, maybe undersell when it comes to playing music is, is how to quote unquote run your business. Um, and I'm not going to, you know, poke fun at anybody, but it's, it's, you go online sometimes and people just have like uh, some dodgy looking Facebook or some sparse posting or, or things just aren't, you know, aren't super professional. And I get it. Cause some people are like, well, if you come see me live, it's different. But what if somebody, their only representation is what they see of you online, then you might end up with, you know, not, maybe not the best way to represent yourself. And I mean, I've, I've gone back and forth with that uh, a little bit, you know, not just with bands, but also with my podcast and things like that. So it, it is pretty important to, you know, run your business the, I mean, a professionally, I'm using air quotes for everybody not watching, but it's, uh, it, I mean, there's no right or wrong way to eat the Reese's of music. And I get it too. Like some people's talent is so undeniable that they, they don't even have to promote anything. People just show up and go to their stuff or, or maybe they have such a big regional following. It really doesn't matter, but, uh, must be nice. <laughs> well, you, you, I mean, you do a pretty good job of all that kind of stuff. And I, it's one thing I do look up to you as um, almost every single day you're posting videos online of you playing guitar. And, and for a while you would be like, well, I'm playing this stuff. And then, I'll, hey, I'll take a second here and I'll show you this little lick I did here, you know, or something like that. And it's, it helps out people like me that um, you know, I'm not going to say I'm a beginner, but there's always room to learn, you know. And Oh, yeah. And like you said earlier, you know, you get to sit there and watch these people that are your, maybe your heroes. And I'm not going to try and inflate your head or anything, but you know, you're one of the good guys out there playing music. So I'm just, I'm, I'm, t I take notice, you know, and I'm just like, oh, what's he doing here? You know? And I ended up seeing you play a couple licks here and there and borrowed them and, and was just like, I'm going to try to fit these into places, maybe at a jam night or something like that, you know? And it's, uh, it works out really well. You got to kind of figure out where the where the licks fit in. Like we talked a little bit before the podcast, not every lick fits in every place, but no, no, it's all about context, especially with this style of music. It's um, yeah, it's all it's all about that context. And when I was learning, you know, I, I would sit down and listen to these records, and and uh, I'd learn these licks, and and it it took me a long time to figure out, like, well, when I play them, how come they don't sound like that, or how come they don't work in the in the situation, and then. And then I realized, you know, especially if you listen to somebody who plays really sparsely like BB King or Albert King or those guys that, you know, they really only play a handful of licks, but just where they put it is so perfect. And it kind of clicked eventually that it's just all about that context of where you put things, you know, um, whether or not you're going to fall flat on your face or you're going to sound like a genius. It just is all about where you where you put it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned BB King because that was one when I when I was watching some of your videos and you were kind of you know, giving away some of your little tips and tricks. And I was just like, yeah, BB King, you're right. You know, he, he stay, he stays in like a four note range sometimes for like the majority of a song and all of the flavor is in how he bends certain notes. And that was something else. I, you know, when I first started bending notes, I'm just like, oh yeah, just bend it. It sounds so cool. And that's, that's the end of the story. And then I started realizing like, oh, there's different ways you can bend this. You can bend up, you can bend down, you can do a bend and a release. And I mean, there's just all this different stuff. And that was, you know, once again, one of those little tidbits that just from watching you online, I kind of started borrowing some of that. And, uh, you know, it really helped out. It really did. And 
Um, I mean, I I'm, just, glad to hear, I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> glad to know, always glad to know. Um, you know, it's it's it sounds cliche to say like you know I'm always just glad to know somebody's listening. But when you've spent as many as much time as I have in as many gigs as I have just driving all over hell and playing to absolutely nobody listening. Uh, it's nice, always nice to know that, uh, you know, when you get someone's attention that it's maybe worth, you know, still worth doing this, this thing. So I appreciate it. Yeah. I appreciate you admitting that sometimes you play to slightly empty places because I'll tell you what, I've played my fair share of empty venues and, uh, it does drag on you a little bit. It really does. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll give you the, uh, maybe this is not an industry secret, but maybe a lot of people listening don't understand this. It's like, and I'm not trying to sound ungrateful or dissatisfied or anything because I, I really don't do this for anybody but myself. Like I play, I play music because I, I kind of have to, you know, it's just, it's just what, you know, it's just what I have to do. So I'm, I'm not trying to make this sound bad, but the fact of the matter is, is that 90% of the gigs that I play are, are not great. I mean, not great in terms of, uh, you know, att- being well attended or people listening or whatever. Um, but, it, the whole thing is a process, right? And so in order to be great at something, you have to put the work in and the work is not always going to be good. You know, if you're, if you're, I don't know, I probably used this analogy last time we spoke because I, I, I tend to speak in analogies a lot, but if you're building a house, you know, you want the, somebody to see the nice final product and think, wow, that's a really nice house, but they don't like see you crawling around in your hands and knees, digging the, digging the basement or, you know, the foundation or you know whatever other awful dirty work you have to do and in this business the awful dirty work is driving six hours to play in the back corner of a restaurant where absolutely nobody hears what you're doing you know i mean that's just and doing it over and over and over again doing it five thousand times i mean that's just that's what that's what the job is you know and then hopefully someday you uh get in a situation where you get you're able to play some really great gigs with some really great people and you're prepared to do that because you put in, you're prepared to do that musically because you put in the time, you know, digging, digging holes, so to speak. That's very true too. And I mean, I haven't played uh, too many of the restaurant style shows, but I have played a few and you're right. Sometimes uh, in between songs, instead of clapping, you hear silverware clanking against plates and things, you know, (laughs) that kind of stuff. Yeah, or, Or whatever, you know, whatever the situation is, you know, for, each musician is different. I mean, the point is, is that we're just not, not every gig is like a packed, you know, club with, you know, women taking their shirts off. And that's, just, you know, it's not, that's not, not really what happens to for most of us. Yeah, that's very true. Not, at least not with what I do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the other thing I think I, I enjoy really a lot about you is uh, your candor when, when it comes to talking about this stuff um, and your honesty, you know, and it's, it's one of the things I appreciate about you, but it's, it's not just that it's uh, it's also your, your ability to spin things in a positive way too, though. Uh, you're not just like, this sucks and burr, nobody paid attention, but you, you realize that you have to put the work in in order to get that final product out, you know, and, and some people, and I'm not, once again, I'm not pointing fingers at anybody, but some people it's, it's tough to go online and be really in, embedded in the music scene. And then to see some of the things people say and do, they're just like, this venue sucks because nobody pays attention. It's like, well, that's just the way it goes sometimes, you know, and you have to just kind of roll with the punch. You can't just throw it all on somebody else. Like, you know, you're not out here being like, my music's awesome and everyone should always pay attention to me all the time. You know, you, you have a level head about you. And that's one of the things I really appreciate about you as a musician and a person. Well, it's just, I mean, I'm not going to say there hasn't been times in my career where I haven't, you know, gotten down on it or gotten down on myself even, but you know, as I get older, 
you know, you do gain a lot of perspective on things and you have to assess what your goals are. Like for me, I just, I want to be a great guitar player and that's my goal and it's going to take me my whole life to do it. And, uh, but it's going to take me my whole life to do it. Best case scenario, which means if I put all this time in and focus on it for my entire life, then I might achieve that goal. Well, maybe at the end, so by the end, but if I, if I sit around and I don't, and I don't put the miles in and I don't put the work in, then I certainly am not going to achieve it. Right. So that's, um, that's very true. I mean, you know, I guess, I guess I'm just, it's a leap of faith, so to speak. But, but again, like I said, I loved, I still love to play. So um, even on, especially after, you know, the pandemic and whatever, it does certainly does make you appreciate stuff, but even on the worst nights, it's like, I still feel like, even in some of those drives home or uh, really get you, get you thinking, you know, about your life choices. But um, in the worst case scenario, I got to play guitar for three or four hours, you know, this is the way I kind of look at it. And I'm, and I'm three or four hours better. You know, I'm always better at the end, you know, a little bit better, yep. a little bit better. Yeah. I mean, that's the idea. I mean, you, you said something that really kind of touched on me was uh, the fact that, you know, by the end of it all, by the time you're an old man and, you, and you're still playing guitar, that's when you're going to be good, you know, and that was, it's not that you're not good now, but I understand the the thought process behind that because I used to, one of my favorite bands um, around the area here was some older gentlemen and I was always just like, man, these old guys are so good at guitar, like what are they doing? And it's like, well, they have 40 years of experience on you, that's what they're doing, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's not like it's just magic and they're good, it's not like there was something in the water 40 years ago that's not here now, you know, um, you know, and it comes back down to if you want to play the guitar, you can play the guitar. And the more you want it, the better you get. And the more time you put in, the better you are. Um, yeah. Or whatever your thing is, right? So if you want to be great at anything, you know, and like you said, those, yeah, the old guys you used to look up to, it's like, and it's not just that they've been doing it for 40 years or 50 years or 60 years, but they've made it a priority in their life for that long. And I, that's another thing I really promote to anybody that asked me. Uh, you know, God helps, God help them if they ask me, if anybody asks me a question about this stuff, but it's like, if you make it a priority in your life, you will gain positive ground, no matter what it is, physical fitness, uh, art, you know, painting, sculpting, whatever. Uh, so I think a lot of people don't, a lot of, a lot of musicians, especially don't necessarily understand that, you know, they kind of, they half-ass a lot of stuff, and you're just not gonna you're just not gonna reach your goals doing that, in my in my opinion. Um, I'll be the first to admit, guilty as charged. You know, I played in high school, and I was just like, dude, I'm so good. I'm so good. Everybody loves me. All I'm, all I'm doing is playing power chords. You know, and it's I never transcended past that level of playing until I was in my late 20s, and I was finally like, I gotta put the work in to get good. You know, and then it was humbling. It really was to realize that like. I mean, I can't even run a pentatonic scale and I'm 27 years old when I first started really trying to do stuff. And it was just like, it was embarrassing almost, you know, and then, but luckily I had, you know, a good support group of people around me that, that were willing to, to invite me to jam nights and, and not just be like, dude, you suck at the guitar, you know, don't play with us or whatever. They're always more than willing to have you come along or, or teach you a lick or, or something, give you like the tiniest bit of advice or something. Um, even, even just as far as not just playing guitar, but shaping a guitar tone, you know, that's something I feel like is undersold quite a bit too. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And the fact of the matter is if you're trying to learn anything, you know, it it is a process and, you know, for a long, you're going to eat shit for a long time. Mm -hmm. You know I mean? That's just, you're going to, you know, there, there's going to be people that don't, that's not, that don't think you're good, you know, or whatever. And 
you just have to keep the ultimate goal in mind and not not necessarily try to worry about that stuff and understand that it is a process. And that's maybe something that I didn't understand when I was, you know, 25 and, and wanted to be hot stuff and whatever. It's like, or maybe thought I was, but it's like, there's always so much more to learn. And no matter how much progress I thought I was making pretty soon after I thought had a slightest inclination that I was getting some something figured out, I would find myself in a situation in a room or on the bandstand with another musician that just made me look like a fool. Yeah. I mean, just would play, could play circles around me. And it's like, Oh, all right. Like you said, it's like, okay. Uh, this guy means business here. Like there's, there's obviously let's go back to the woodshed, you know, so, so to speak. So yeah, that's uh, I think that's a good, uh, good attitude to have though, is just to understand that, you know, you're, you're probably, it's going to be a very, very long time before you get anything figured out. Yeah. And, and even those people that would play circles around me, there's somebody in their life that plays circles around them. Right. So actually, uh, I had this discussion with, a. Uh... The, one of the people I would consider the the one of the best guitar players in my area. Uh, I'm just gonna throw his name out there. Uh, his name's Jeremy Ober, you know. And I I sat down and was, believe it or not, we've had conversations about you. Um, uh, he was talking about how when he was tra he traveled down to Texas last year and and did some busking down in Texas. And he said, "Man, I listened to Matt Wood's album like ten times on my way down there because it's it's just not his style of music." And he was like, he was so appreciative to hear it, you know. And it's like this guy's short record. It's a short record too, so. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's one of those things that's cool to be like, this is a guy I look up to as as one of the best around my area, and he still looks up to other people, you know. And it's like that's it was reassuring to me to be like, well, if this guy looks up to other people, then it's you know it's not a bad thing that I do, and it means that he knows he's got room to grow, and I know I've got room to grow, and you know your style and his style aren't the same, so it it just kind of made him be like, oh, I, there's this other thing that maybe I could I could dabble into this a little bit and try a little bit of that or something and i don't know if he ever wants to do you know root style music but it you know it's it's nice to know that the people that you think are good are willing to open up and 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 you know like look at other people and i mean just as far as that we had this exact conversation you and i are having about people playing circles around you and i was like dude you're the best around here and he said there's at any given time there's somebody within like a 30 mile radius of me that could probably play circles around me you know, and uh, it it kind of made me really realize that that's a thing. Oh, give me a second. I got the the video here. All right, yeah, I I got a phone call and canceled it. I'm sorry, but uh, we're we're back here. So, but yeah, I mean that's one of those really important things you realize that like uh, it you know, it's all a matter of perspective. And when you find those people that quote unquote can play circles around you, it's not just like hang up the boots. We're done. You know, it's uh you can still get better yourself and, and improve yourself. You know, I, uh, like you said, you get kind of down on yourself when you see some of these people and how good they are. And that's, that happened to me, you know, it's happened to me before where I just kind of like hung it up for about 10 years and didn't even play anymore. But then, um, yeah, once again, you well, like with, with, I think with anything, it's like, there's, when you encounter adversity, there's, there's two ways you can handle it, right? You can lay down or you can stand up taller. Right. So, uh, there's been, plenty of situations in my life where I've ended up, geez, it happened and just happened not too long ago, um, where I was on the bandstand with another musician that I really looked up to and that had been a hero of mine for my whole life. And I kind of, you know, have become friends with him. And it's kind of one of those moments where it's like, wow, I can't believe I'm, I'm playing with, uh, playing with this guy in this situation. And, um, he absolutely rubbed my face in the dirt, so to speak. <laughs> um, 
And I walked away from that with, with two feelings of respect, respect for him for doing that because he knew that I would never let that happen again. So I walked off the bandstand that night with a, a fire lit that I, like I said, that's never gonna happen again. Like, uh, Next time I'm in that situation, I'll be bringing a little bit more heat. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it just, you can, you know, it just, it, it's, it drives me every time I have encounters like that, it drives me to be better. And it, on these days where it's like, oh, I don't really feel like playing or I don't know, you know, I get kind of mopey about it or whatever. It's like, nope, you gotta, you gotta get after it. Otherwise, you know, you're going to find yourself in that situation. You don't want to be in again where you're made to look kind of bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you and, know? and I mean, Let's just, I'm also going to throw this out there. I bet the guy wasn't doing it on purpose just to be like, look how much better I am than you. It's more or less just, that's, that's just his playing style. And, and no, no, it's yeah. I didn't, I didn't want to imply, I didn't mean to imply that it was like, um, it was a mentor. It's a, a, like a mentor type relationship where, where he knew that I needed to be shown that, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Especially in this, in this style that I play in this community, of traditional American music, it's like, that's how you learn. I mean, that's how it happens, you know? So, so he, he, yeah, he it was probably subconscious to him, but I think that he uh, was acting as like a mentor and a friend in that situation. And I took it that way, but I also took it like, okay, well, here's what I need to do to get myself better, better prepared or, and it's not, it's not necessarily a mechanical thing. Like, Oh, I need to learn to play this just like that. It's more of a, uh, an approach to things, a way you carry yourself on stage, a, a way you're, you come prepared to the gig, you know, things like that. So it's not just a matter of, you know, he played a lot more notes than me or he played faster than me or whatever. It's not, it's got nothing to do with that. It's a musicianship mm-hmm. aspect, of, you know? Yeah. Um, I will, I'm going to, I'm going to toss this back in there, uh, coming prepared to a gig. Uh, that's something I also think is very important. I've played a lot of shows and a lot of different styles and a lot of different venues. And, uh, it's not something that everybody does and it's appreciated when people actually do come prepared to a gig, whether it's bring the right gear, have extra strings, straps, uh, an extra guitar, all the right cables, extra cables, whatever it happens to be. It's very appreciated when people actually do, you know, come ready to a show. Um, or just have their material learned. It's uh, I'm I'm very supportive of music. I I really am, and I understand the struggles that everybody has. But it's also kind of rough when somebody comes up there and they're like, "Hey, we didn't practice at all for this long, you know, and we're just gonna wing it." And it's like, "Ooh, I hope this goes all right," you know. And once once again, I'm always really supportive. I've been there too, but yeah, the maintaining that professionalism on stage is certainly something that's important. Yeah, but I don't want to sound like a hard ass here but don't cut people that much slack man because it's like you know i had this with with my guitar students it's like they they come up with everybody's got a million excuses as to why they couldn't practice but really i mean if you like you said like i said if you wanted to and if it was a priority in your life you would do it i've got a full-time day job i'm a full-time musician i work as a session musician i produce records i've got a family at home it's like if i can pull this off i'm gonna be here I don't want to sound, I'm trying, not trying to sound like a hard ass, but some people need to hear that. You know what I mean? I'm with you. I gave guitar lessons for a while. I still do very sparsely. Um, COVID kind of put an end to that, whatever. But, uh, 
that was a thing. Like parents would be like, I want my son to learn guitar. So they'd prepay for a, a handful of lessons and then their kid would not like never come prepared. And I'm not, I'm not pointing any fingers at anyone once again, but uh, you know, I'd be like, did you practice? And they'd say no. And then their parents would be like, oh, I'm ready to buy five more lessons or something like that. And it's like, I, I, at some point I have to just sit down with the parents and say, you may be dumping your money into a sinkhole. I'll take it. But yeah, I'll, I'll babysit your kid for half an hour if you want, but you know, <laughs> but I, I do feel it's also important for me to say, you, you know, your kid's not practicing. It's obvious he's not. Um, and you know, going to a guitar lesson is not guitar practice. It's a lesson. It's also like somebody once told me going to band practice is actually band rehearsal. It's not band practice. You practice at home, you rehearse with your band. Mm-hmm. It held a lot of weight. Uh, some of those like slightly, uh, unsavory feeling advices that people give you are some of the best advices. I feel um, they they lack tact, but at the same at the same rate, uh, they hold a lot of weight. Um, my, the my best advice I ever got was from somebody, and they it was about going to jam nights, and they said, "Stay out of the way until it's your turn to get in the way." And I was just like, "Ah, that's like the meanest thing anyone's ever said." But it was also like <laughs> something I took to heart, and it was the best advice I ever got. You know, and. Um, that's one of the reasons I started picking up a bunch of weird gigs with like country and folk musicians. It's, they're just like, Hey, you want to play some leads? And it's like, yeah, I'll play bar chords. Well, until it's time for me to play leads or something like that, or just not treat your whole song. Like it's a canvas for me to solo over, you know? And that was another lesson I had to learn going to jam nights. It was just like, Oh, I know how to solo. And then you just solo the whole song. And eventually like the singer just looks at you like, what are you doing, dude? I'm singing notes up here and you're just stomping all over it, you know? So it goes back to that context again, right? Where you put stuff. And I think it's, it is important. It's very important for musicians to put themselves in situations where they're uncomfortable. Right. So I know you, we talked about it before. It's like, uh, you know, you're in those, you know, country gigs or folk gigs. It's like, that's not necessarily your comfort zone, but I bet it's going to make, it'll make you a much better musician to be in the, those situations. Cause it's a whole different approach, you know? Yeah, it is. Um, I mean, one of the things I always lean probably too hard on, and I'll admit it to you and everybody else that's listening, is uh, I lean on overdrive quite a bit, and uh, I'm, st- I'm still trying to learn how to, to play more clean tones better, and uh, so that's something that I still, I end up bringing a lot of that, uh, maybe I would call like a bluesy overdriven tone into like folk and country, and it doesn't always fit, I'll admit it, but sometimes it does, and people are just like, this is really neat that you got this mashup of these two sounds or whatever, but... Once again, I also understand it uh, doesn't always fit, you know, and and people have said it to me and I, I, I get it. I get but you're it. learning, right? You're learning. Uh, you're learning where it can fit and where it can't fit. So that's, you know, as long as you're learning from it, that's kind of the, the idea, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, like the, the easiest way I could say I learned from it was to darken my tone up so that way it didn't stand out. So that way it's just like it's almost like a background noise with the acoustic guitar, you know, so then it's like. My, my guitar sound isn't shrill and, and popping through the mix very much. It's, it's only adding to what the acoustic player is playing, you know. And then when it's time for me to play a solo, then you hit maybe like a treble boost or something like that. And then, then you start to go to town or whatever. But, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's humbling to know that there's always room to learn. And, and once again, like you said, it's, I feel like I've gotten so much better in the last five years of playing guitar, but I still have so much more to learn. Um, and it's not all just playing the notes, you know, it is shaping the tone and, and things like that. Um, I would say that probably one of the other things I struggle with is like fitting in visually with, with the bands that I play with. Um, you know, I played in like punk and metal bands mostly. So most of my, 
uh, physical repertoire fits more like in that. And then I got to remember not to like headbang at a country show and stuff like that, you know, because it might not fit in very well or whatever. But well, also- but you do you, you do need to be yourself, you know, to, to some extent. I mean, I, I think it's OK to, you know, not that you asked my opinion, but I think it's OK to be yourself. You know, that doesn't mean you have to be obnoxious about it or whatever, <laughs> but, you know, just you can still be like in, especially in your playing right i mean if that's if the, if playing a certain way is who you are then you can still do that and tailor that to fit different situations you know i mean when somebody asks me to play you know on their record or or whatever i make sure that they know that you know i can sort of play different styles but it's kind of going to come off like me so if you want somebody that's going to sound like something else, you should go find somebody that can sound like that. Because I've worked, you know, I've spent my whole career developing a sound that to sound like myself. So I'm not going to sound like somebody else on your record, you know. Yeah, I mean, or in the or at the gig or whatever, you know. Yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying there. It's almost like going up to a BMW lot and being like, "You got anything that looks like a Lesaber?" And it's like, "No, I don't," because yeah. we worked for hundreds of years to make these cars and we're not going to make you know that car and it's doesn't mean that one car is better or different than the other it's just i guess it is difference it's just different you know and it's it's all in what you want on where you want it you know and um just because you have a bmw also doesn't mean you have to drive it fast you know so that's right yeah that's that's exactly right yeah so it's there when you need it but not all the time (laughs) dude i that's another one of my fun things about the last podcast was tossing the analogies back and forth because i i absolutely love the analogy talk it's uh it's how my brain works, and I'm glad it's how somebody else's brain works. It makes me feel a little less alone out there. <laughs> yeah, it's like my brain. I'm 90% analogies and 10% puns. That's all, that's all I know how to. It's the only way I can talk. Uh, let's let's talk a little bit about lessons. I did see you put a blurb out online about how you were giving lessons, and you were only going to give out a select few. It wasn't going to be something that you were going to, you know, soak all of your time into. And I understand that. Cause like you said, you've got a business and a family and you're playing gigs and you're recording and you also have to travel. And so there's a bunch of things you can't just quit everything else and start giving lessons forever, you know? So you have to, you had to pick and choose what students you had. And one of the things you said was, uh, you only wanted serious, you know, people. And I bet some of that comes back to the fact of, you know, you actually want people that are going to practice what you're trying to teach them. And, uh, you don't want to waste your time, their time, their money, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I, I figured I'd ask you, how, how are the lessons going? Are you full up on lessons? Because believe it or not, I really wanted to jump on that. But uh, at the time, I didn't have quite enough time to devote to it, I didn't think. So I didn't want to you know, sell myself or you short. But uh, how are they going? Yeah, that's, that's kind of something I decided to do when, when you know, we were in the depths of COVID and there just was not any gigs on the horizon. And I found myself, you know, I... I just wanted to be, I wanted to stay involved with music. And when I teach, I learn a lot of stuff too. So that was kind of the idea. Um, I did, I do have some students that I had a couple, I have a couple regular younger students that I see every week. And then I have, uh, or I don't see them in person, but you know, online. And then that's fine. I mean, I'm happy to help them any way I can. Um, but I really like when the occasion, you know, I get the occasional drop in from like a, a more serious player um, that, you know, is really interested in learning some of the subtleties of the style of music that I play. Like maybe they're really great at, at something else, but they want to learn more about what I'm sort of my expertise with for lack of a better word is. So I really enjoy those and, and those, you know, kind of happen on occasion. 
Um, but now with gigs picking up, it's like I'm not sure how much how much I want to I want to teach anymore. It does require some work to to plan and and to come up with, especially for the younger students. You know, you kind of have to come up with a lesson plan every week and and you know hope hope to find something they engage in and things like that. So I think. I think what I'm going to go more towards too in the future is I still, I still want to do it. I still want to work with, like I said, players that are really interested in it, but I might just kind of focus on that more instead of, I, I had kind of opened it up for a while there. of just like, honestly, I needed the work and I needed the, I needed the money and I needed, needed a lot of stuff. So it's like, I was taking on a lot of different or, you know, pretty much anybody for, for a while there. But I think I would, uh, in the future, I'd like to, work with people that are real serious about learning, you know, instead of just like, I don't know, like, I don't want to sound like an idiot or jerk here or whatever, but it's like, I just don't, I personally don't think I'm the best teacher for someone who's just starting out playing guitar, you know, for a 12 year old kid that got one for Christmas, something like that. I just, because, because I didn't learn that way. Like I didn't, I didn't take lessons when I was 12 years old and learn how to play and play hot cross buns and then learn how to play, you know, every Bob Dylan song there is or whatever. It's like, so I don't know how to teach that. Mm-hmm. You know, I know how to teach the way I learned and I know, I know how to teach concepts and I know how to teach how to listen, which is the most important thing. So I think I, yeah, I guess to answer, that's kind of a uh, real roundabout answer to your question, but um, that's kind of where I'm at as far as that goes. You well, know? It makes sense. I mean, I feel that a hundred percent when I gave lessons, I gave some lessons to people that didn't know anything. And it is very difficult to be, to figure out a place for them to start. Like you said, do you start with single notes and just play hot cross buns and go from there? Or do you try and teach somebody chords and go from there? Or, you know, do you, do you pick a song they want to learn and go from there? You know, cause some of it's about, like you said, engaging their mind in and enjoying playing. Cause I had some students that, that couldn't care less about learning what notes are where or playing chords and things like that. But then it was just like, well, let's learn this song that you like. And I found that they practiced that over and over and over again. And I guess if they're engaged in that, then at least they're engaged in something. But then I also feel like they're missing out on a, another important aspect, too. So there's that push and pull quite a bit with uh, teaching beginners. But let me throw this at you. Um, I'm just going to use myself as an example. Like, I don't know how to finger pick. Is that something that, like, if I was, and I'm, I don't know, I'm, I'm somewhere in the, the thick, meaty bell part of that curve of intermediate guitar players, maybe, you know, like, maybe closer to the beginner's area, I can do some stuff. But still, do you think you could teach me to, to finger pick, like, or is that even too basic for you? No, no, that's the kind of stuff I'm, that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about that I, that I want to be, I want to teach, you know, that's the kind of stuff that I enjoy teaching and that I want to teach, so. Yeah, things like that and things like uh, like we talked about phrasing, you know, and where to play certain things and how to play over chord changes and how to work with different grooves and how to pay attention to the groove and how to work with other musicians and play with a second guitar player. Because these are all, all situations where you have to take a certain approach, otherwise it's not necessarily going to work very well, you know, so... Um, yeah, that's absolutely the kind of thing I'm interested in doing. Yeah. All right, all right, yeah. So I'm going to be hitting up Matt Woods later this week for some less. No, but I might, dude. I've seriously might. I've I've teased it a Anytime. few times. Anytime. Because um, I'm sure you're just like me, where sometimes you you run into that brick wall where it's like a plateau, and you're like, how do I get past this? And sometimes just like you said, stepping out of your comfort zone is the best way to do it. And, uh, you know, I respect what you do. There's not many people that do what you do. So I'm kind of intrigued to uh, see and hear what it's all about and at least maybe gain a, a better understanding of it, if nothing else, you know. So 
um, you know, it's refreshing to know that you'd be willing to take on, you know, somebody that would be dedicated to it still. Um, yeah, absolutely. No, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I, I appreciate it, but yeah, sometimes it's, it's like, um, you know, there's so much to learn and you can definitely run into brick walls quite a bit. I mean, it happens on a you know weekly basis around here, but it's like, sometimes you can just struggle with something for months and months and months and months. And as, as soon as you hear, you know, you can watch endless YouTube videos on it, but as soon as you hear somebody explain it a certain way and there's some keyword, it just can make something click. So, you know, a lot of, the, a lot of times, like when I take, le- I, I take probably more lessons now than I ever have just because, you know, with, with all the COVID stuff, it's like all of a sudden I can just send a message to my favorite player and uh, say like, Hey man, can you sit down for an hour with me? And they're like, sure. You know, like, they like to talk about guitar and I like to talk about guitar. So what's the, what's the big deal? But sometimes it's just a matter of like talking through stuff, you know, and if you get, if you talk to somebody that's passionate about it, they can, they've probably been down the same road you're down, you know, and uh, can maybe explain something to you a certain way that you've never, just like I said, that one little thing that can make it click, you know, all of a sudden. And then all, and then you realize like, Oh, it was right there all along. And I didn't see it, you know, which happens, happens quite a bit to me. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you said something important there. You can watch dozens of YouTube videos, but until somebody says something that resonates with you the right way, you're. I mean, I've I feel that so much. I've watched so many YouTube videos where it's like, uh, this guy's doing stuff and he's saying stuff, but I don't get it, you know. Or or I get what he's saying, but it doesn't it doesn't like click, you know. And then eventually, you watch that one video after hunting around for a whole afternoon just to be like, oh, this guy is saying the thing I want to hear. And then I, I I dig through their videos and it's like, well, not every video they have is that aha moment either. So you have to kind of go and try different things out. I think that's some of the importance too of like playing with different people and, and seeing that this person's perspective on this could help you, but their perspectives on that might not. And that's when you go to somebody else and their perspectives on this other thing might help you better than than somebody else's. And do and doing it every day, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's what I mean. Keep You have to keep at it and you have to keep running into that wall until it falls down. And, and yeah, that's, um, I, I, it sounds like you kind of have a similar experience to me, but if I'm le- trying to learn something new, I, I could spend like months and months and months struggling with it. I remember when I was early, kind of early on in my playing, I kind of, kind of could play, you know, scales vertically, you know, north, south, up and down the neck. And I could not figure out how somebody would play a solo and go east, west, you know, the long way up the neck. And then, you know, I struggled with that for months and months and months. And then I kind of, it's almost like I woke up one day and I realized both directions or, or whatever. Like I can play a B flat here and I can play a B flat here and I can move up and down. But without running into that wall for however many months before, I wouldn't have woken up and had that moment. Like you have to dedicate brain space and effort to it every day in order to have those kind of like light bulb bulb moments, you know, in my experience. That's a great example too. Cause like you said, I'm, I'm very comfortable going North South in one position, you know, and uh, going East to West is something that I'm still learning how to do better. But uh, the fun part about it was, and this is like literally the funniest thing ever. I was playing a show uh, just last night, I mean, this is pre-recorded, so it wasn't just last night when you're listening to this, but I was I was playing a show last night, and I saw myself go east to west across the fretboard when I was playing uh, some leads on something, and I was just like, oh my god, I'm doing it, you know, and it was like, it was so fun to see myself actually apply it in a real life scenario, and um, I don't know, that was just something where 
like once again, I'm not the best at it. I'm not great at it or whatever, but I'm, I'm practicing it and getting better at it. And it's one of those things when I finally saw myself do it in a real life application, I was just like, Oh, holy smokes. You know, this is uh it's working, you know? And that's something that like, like I said earlier, I feel like I'm plateauing, but I'm still slowly learning stuff. And it's, uh, it's nice to know that there's still those little bits of progress that I can feel and see here and there, even in myself, because it's easier to see somebody else make progress than it is yourself sometimes, I think. Yeah. And if you would, but if you wouldn't, have, if you would have put the guitar down for six months and not thought about it or practiced or like I said, even thought about it, then you would have never had that moment where you realized what was going on, you know? And, and I tell people too, like, if somebody asks me how how much I practice or whatever, it's like I practice all day and all night. It's like I don't have to have the guitar in my hand to be practicing. And I think I feel like maybe we talked about this last time I was on, but uh, you know, when I'm driving in the car, I'm thinking about I'm thinking about it. When I'm in the tractor, I'm thinking about it. When I'm you know doing yard work, I'm thinking about like, well, how do they get? How does so and so get that sound? Or when I hear that when I hear that sequence of notes, like what's going on with the intervals there. And then I have it loaded in my mind so that when I do get a half an hour, 45 minutes as a, you know, the life of a dad with a, a young boy at home, it's like when I get a half hour, 45 minutes to actually sit down with my instrument, I can go right to it and work on that and figure it out, you know? So just having it in your, having things in your mind, like I said, making a priority can really go a long way. I think. Uh, that's very true. I took some psychology classes in community college, and then I got really into psychology, so I started reading a bunch of stuff, and there is a huge benefit to visualizing things in your own mind that way uh, before you actually try to physically go about doing them. Um, one of the things that was actually like opened my eyes to this the most was the fact that uh, weightlifters will visualize themselves lifting the weights before they actually lift the weights, and I always thought to myself, like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life until you like start to, I don't know, I lifted weights for a while. And then it was just like, oh, this actually helps. And then I looked up the psychology on it and your brain actually tells your body to start producing uh, the proper proteins and adrenaline and stuff like that, even if you're not lifting the weights. So your brain tricks your body into thinking you're lifting the weights in a sense, even if you're not actually lifting them. So that, I mean, you can apply that straight to the guitar too. And like you said, yep. when you actually get there to do the work, it's like, I've already thought about this a million times. I don't have to fumble my way through it with the guitar to try to figure it out. You've already thought about it. It doesn't mean you're going to nail it on the first try when you pick your guitar up, but it's a very important step, you know? Um, yeah, it's funny. It's funny to say that. I thought I, I realized this a long time ago and I started doing it with, with gigs. Um, I, I learned how important it was to be mentally prepared for situations, especially if I was in a situation where I wasn't super comfortable, like maybe playing with a musician that, was well beyond my experience or playing a big gig on a big stage in front of a lot of people. If you visualize it ahead of time, like even on the way to the gig or a half an hour before, before the gig or whatever, you're, I think there's a lot to, to you, like you said, your body kind of producing, you know, the hormones that it needs or whatever, but you also, to me, it kind of calms me down because once I get on bandstand or in that situation that I was uncomfortable with, since I've already visualized it, I feel like I've done it before. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's like, I don't know, the first time you, analogy time, first time you shoot a bow and arrow, it's like, I don't know what this is. I don't know how to do that. But if you kind of visualize it beforehand, you're going to visualize everything, like everything down to the tiniest detail, like what that arrow feels like in your hand. So what what the guitar feels like in your hand. 
weight of the strap on my shoulder, uh, you know, the action of plugging it into the amp and hitting the standby switch on the amp, go through all those little details in your head. And then when you get up on the, on the bandstand or whatever your life situation is, your, your brain feels like you've already been there before. And it's like no big deal because just like with anything, the more experience you have, the more comfortable you get doing it. So if you can save yourself a rep just by visualizing it, why, why wouldn't you do that? You know, it makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I love the analogies, man. I, I freaking love them, dude. It's uh well, it's helped, it's helped me out a lot because I used to get real, um, you know, I get nervous, man. I still get some level of anxiety mostly now just because I'm so, I just want to play so bad, but, but there's been, I used to get a lot of stage, not stage fright, but anxiety. I'm kind of a, you know, believe it or not, I'm kind of a, not a real uh, center of attention kind of guy that really makes me uncomfortable. So I don't really like being the center of attention, but I love playing guitar. So that's kind of the price you pay. But I would find myself getting real, you know, real anxious. And then when you get, when you get anxious, you get tight, you know, and when you play tight, sound terrible. Like you got to be loose and you got to breathe. Breathing's another big thing. And you just got to, you got to be able to flow. And I found that visualizing stuff and mentally preparing before the gigs really helped me, helped me with that. Even if I even take five minutes beforehand, you know, it doesn't, doesn't take a whole, whole long time. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it makes, it makes total sense to me. And, uh, if, if people are listening to this and they're like, I have no clue what you're talking about it, give it a whirl once. I guarantee it'll help out. You know, you don't have to visualize yourself at Madison square garden to 30,000 screaming fans and stuff like that. But I mean, just prepare yourself for the show you're going to. I understand that nerves take over and I, I'm no different than you. I get nervous playing big gigs, small gigs. It really doesn't matter, but it's still every now and then I just kind of reassure myself that things are going to be okay by playing it through in my mind. I also have to like rationalize some things sometimes in my own mind where it's just like, nobody's going to like what I'm doing. I'm so bad at the guitar. And then you just realize like, well, nobody can play the guitar like me. I, I mean, I, I'm playing it the way I play it and that's somebody's going to enjoy it, you know, and, or like you play in front of a crowd that might not be used to your style of music or whatever. I recently played at um, what would I guess I would call like an open mic night type deal. And there was like uh, hip hop and rap and all sorts of everything. There's people singing karaoke style stuff there. But as soon as you walk up there with an amp and a guitar, it's just like, I don't know if we'll fit in. I don't know if anybody will like this. And then I just kind of like you just sit there and think like, you know, we're going to be playing guitar. People people will enjoy it. And you kind of you get up there and you play and then you realize I don't know if anybody else in here plays guitar in the building, you know, and then, and then people actually like that because I, I enjoyed people, you know, doing the rap and R and B stuff. Cause I don't have the slightest clue how to do any of that stuff. So I enjoyed it just to the fact I got to see it live and it's a, a little bit eye opening. And I think that's another important thing is, is uh stretching your bounds of what you would enjoy musically. Uh, at least for me live, I enjoy a lot more music live than I ever do, you know, sitting in a car and listening to it. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like you like, I mean, it goes back to what I kind of talked about earlier. It's like you got to just be yourself, and that's that's like something I learned a long time ago too. When I was getting, you know, something perspective has given me. It's just like, you know, uh, I'm here to do this because I love to do it, and uh, I put the time in uh, before the, you know, the weeks before the gig or between gigs. I've been practicing, and and uh, it is it's good. It will be what it shall be, right? So uh, it's like there's a big difference between showing up to a test knowing that you're prepared and that you studied and then that feeling where you, where you think, Oh, I, uh, I should have spent more time with this. Right. I don't, I hate that feeling. I, I will not let that happen. So that's, <laughs> that's another you know big motivation point to me is, and then, and then you are a lot more relaxed in the gig because you know that you've already, you know, I always say when somebody will tell me, if somebody tells me before a gig, you know, like, 
oh, good luck or whatever. It's I always reply. My my standard go to reply is it's too late to practice now. Right. It's like so beautiful. It's, I have to I, if I had I had to have put the time in up to this point, And if I did, it'll be fine. My, it might be a bad night, might not be a great night or might not be my best. But uh, I know that I did what I had to do to get myself ready for that situation. Yeah, I mean, it'd be you'd be hard pressed to just rely on luck for all your skill, you know. Too, it's just like, good lord, I don't know if I'd I don't wanna... believe. I don't believe in luck. Uh, you know, it's true. Uh, I I think there is such a thing as as dumb luck here or there, like serendipity. But still, it's it's uh, as far as skill for guitar playing, there's no such thing as luck. I found and that I out. The... Be- and honestly, I don't believe in people say the use the T word a lot. And I don't believe in the T word talent either. I don't believe in talent. I believe in work. But. Gosh, that's so true. That's so true. And once again, that's one of those harsh realizations that like, it might not sound tactful, but it is 1000% true. You have to put the work in to get good at anything. And it's not like anybody's magically just good at something either. Uh, and if and if they are, it's it, you're one in a billion. It's one in a billion. Um, I'll give an example of that. I played a show recently with a kid on the bass and he's 16 years old. And uh, he is freaky good, like Primus good. But the thing is, that's all he's done for like last three or four years is play his bass guitar. And it's it's not like he's just, oh, you're so lucky. You're so good. You know, or like it's, oh, his, his grandpa could play guitar and that's why he's good at it. No, no. He put all the time in to get this good. He's probably put more time practicing in than I did in the first 30 years of my life. And he's only 16, you know, well, and he's probably he, he probably he, he might not realize this because he's so young. But I mean, he's probably still got a lot to learn. Right. I yes. Mean, Going back to what we what we started on, so there there are people that are more inclined towards certain things. I I will I will concede that. I mean, my another favorite analogy of mine is, you know, LeBron James was born to be six eight two seventy five with a forty inch vertical. Like he he was he was going to be that, you know, genetically and whatever, but he was not born to be the best basketball player in the world. Perfect. You know, I mean, he 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 could have just been a, you know, community college player and whatever. Yeah, he could have just been but, a cashier at a Kmart or something if you yeah, you know. A giant a giant Kmart cashier, but he uh made himself into the best basketball player in the world with, you know, not only taking what he was predisposed to be or or have the traits he had physically, but um, you know, spending a million hours honing his craft. You that, know, that's the only way to do it. That's beautiful. Such a beautiful way to put it. Oh man, let's let's change gears here a little bit. We were talking you giving guitar lessons. I do also know that you uh, fired up a Patreon page that is, uh, it's uh, it's more keyed in towards you being like, here's these licks or here's these style of music, and this is like the the way I know how to play it, or this is the way I would explain how to do it. And I feel like uh, some of those videos I remember watching back in the day of you sharing licks. There's not quite as many of those going around. I'm assuming a lot of those ended up on your Patreon page now, though. Yeah, I still I still will do that, um, but yeah, I, I am trying to funnel that into into my Patreon just to, uh, you know, maybe has not a ton of money involved. Don't get me wrong, but I you know, as a musician, you need to find, especially in this day and age after twenty twenty, I, I needed to find different avenues to make make some money because of just of all the gig, gig in, income I lost. I mean, I was playing, I'd played two to three gigs a week for the last twenty years. I mean, that was just a regular a regular week was two or three gigs for decades. So it's like that went away for a year. So I really had to figure out a new direction to not only, like I said, keep myself musically engaged, but, but to just in a practical sense, generate some income. So, um, 
I was hoping that that you know having a Patreon page would sort of help help that happen. And it, it has provided some support. I'm still trying to build it, you know, or whatever. But I also, honestly, I, like I said, I, a lot of things kind of make me uncomfortable. And I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm brimming with uh, self-confidence. And so I always felt kind of weird posting stuff like that online, just like assuming that anybody gave a damn about how to, how to play, how to play a magic sandwich or whatever, you know, it's just, so you know, I figure at least with Patreon, I know people have gone out of their way to subscribe to it. And so they're, they, I know that they're interested in it instead of just rolling their eyes when they scroll through their feet about this guy again with the, uh, bar licks, you know? Well, I, I will have to say, this is the vote of confidence. Uh, I said it at the beginning. I said it again in the middle of the podcast. I used to watch those videos and I would learn licks from you. And I would, I would take those things and I would apply them at jam nights. I'd apply them to jam tracks on my computer sitting in my basement. I would apply them at shows sometimes. And, and, they work. I mean, they work. So if anybody's looking for little bits of licks to, to teach yourself here and there or where to phrase them, where to put them, how, like I said, even just something as simple as like how to bend a note. It was, it's something that you, I don't know if it was the way you explained it or just watching you do it or realizing that you're a human being and I've met you in person. Uh, speaking of which, you're, you're t- we way taller than I thought you were. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, yeah, meeting you in person and things like that, you know, and it's like, oh, this guy's a human and he can do this. So that means I should be able to do this probably if I just try and practice, you know, and then watching you explain it. And I, I realized there's some of these licks that you were doing and I'm like, I can do these and I can put these into, into my own sure. style and, and learn things from you. So, so if you don't want to do the lesson thing with, with Matt, I highly suggest checking out that Patreon page. Because like I said, if that's where you're funneling a lot of those videos, it's probably a secret gold mine for some people. Well, yeah, and it's not – yeah, I, I will. I appreciate that. I will point out that it's not just licks and things like that, but I also talk a lot about some bigger concepts. And, you know, I mentioned before, like find yourself in a situation with another guitar player. Like how do you approach that? You know, because you can't play – you both can't play the same thing. You know, that doesn't – that's not going to work musically. So it's like you have to have a certain approach going into it. And just, you know, con- just things that I've kind of picked up. Some stuff is really obvious and I feel like some stuff is a little bit more subtle, but I try to cover cover all of it on that, you know, on those lessons. So You know, that's awesome cuz like like you said that's a that's a lesson I had to learn too cuz I would I'd play with other people or like I like I'd play rhythm guitar next to an acoustic guitar and I had to realize that like oh we can't just play open chords the whole time like it's not it's, you have to fill this out sonically some other way so then it's like oh I'll play bar chords you know or I'll play you know like little truncated portions of them and things like that or I'm going to go up higher on the neck while you're lower on the neck or if you're capoing it way up here I'm going to try my best to go farther down the neck and and play the open stuff differently you know and you got to feel that sonic range and that was something that I realized um you know, pretty quickly that it doesn't sound as good when you're just mimicking what the other guy's doing 100% of the time. You got to kind of stretch it out a little bit, you know, and it's sometimes it is just as simple as play the bar chord instead of the open chord, you know, and I mean, that could be like the dumbest, easiest advice I could give on a, on a podcast that's not about me. But, uh, you know, like uh, if you're looking for any of that other stuff, I mean, I would definitely check out that Patreon page. I, uh, I only subscribe to a couple, but I think yours is going to be the next one I subscribe to because I've been looking for something to push me over that hump. And I think, I think your Patreon page would really help me out a lot, you know? Well, I mean, you know, like I, like I tell people, it's, it's five bucks a month and you have access to every video I've ever made. So it's like, you know, if you just, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to call you out here, Pete, but I'm just saying to anybody that might be interested, it's like, just skip, you know, skip a Starbucks like once a month or, you know, eat, eat, eat lunch at home once a month and you'll have that covered. So it's, I feel like, um, and I priced it that way for that reason, because, you know, I would rather have 
a lot of people paying five bucks a month than, than reaching a small amount of people because I'm charging too much. You know, I, it's more about just being able to spread the information, you know, and to be able to help people that might be, you know, trying to learn something or whatever. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I mean, I get, I get the whole aspect of trying to start a Patreon page and how difficult it is. Mine's a dollar a month for the audible farm podcast. And uh, I mean, it's, you can go to it and see how many people subscribe to it. It's uh, it, it is what it is. You know, it's not easy to start up a, a paid subscription program of any sort, but I'm also not really teaching anyone anything. And uh, so that's where I think yours probably holds a little bit more weight over mine. Uh, not that people that subscribe to the audible farm page is not worth it, but it's still, it's one of those things I think of uh, you're giving people something that they can't get anywhere else, you know? And, and it was one of those important things. Like I said, when I saw you play live, I realized you're a human being that's doing this like right in front of me. It's not just like you're using studio magic or something like that to make it all happen. You know, it's like, this is possible. It's not, it's not just some whoa, smoke and mirrors trick that he's doing, you know? And I don't know. That's, I just, uh, it made me look at things a lot differently when I see, when I, especially when I see people like you playing live, people that I kind of like look up to musically around the state and stuff. It's like, Oh, this is possible. It's possible. And like, so much of my mind I cloud with like, I'm never going to get this good. But then, you know, like I said, you have to have that perspective on things and that uh, your Patreon page and, and even just some of those old videos you got, got online that you can watch through. Just go to, I'll tell you what, go to Matt's Instagram account. Just find it on, it's in the description section. I'll put it down there. Scroll through, look at the videos. You can see what he's doing right there. You know, it's uh, and if you want to learn how to do some of the stuff he's doing, head to the Patreon page. Otherwise, on some of the videos, he does explain a little bit of stuff. So check it out. I mean, it's totally worth it. It helped me out a lot. I'm sure it can help everyone else out. So yeah, just send me an email. I'll answer your question. Answer any question you have. I don't care. You know, it's like I, we, thought, we talked about this before. You gave me a hard time about giving giving all the tricks away or whatever. It's like I uh, I I will answer any any guitar related question or music related question that I know that. People, anybody would ask me if I know the answer, or I can give you any insight you want. I, this is part of part of the job as far as I'm concerned is is sharing this information. You know, I mean, especially from this traditional art form that, like you mentioned, I mean, I wouldn't say it's dying, but it's definitely not a mainstream thing. So it's like it's this is part of an oral tradition. Like this is how this information has been passed down for generations and generations and generations in this country and even beyond this country. So that's part of my my duty you know, as someone who, who plays this kind of music. Yeah. I would definitely say that that is, um, it's, it's almost like canon for that style of music, you know, like your style of music that you play literally, like you said, was passed down from generation to generation, spoken word, people sitting next to each other, just learning off of one another. Mm -hmm. And that is something that's like, it's just the way it was, you know, I mean, it's not that that doesn't happen with metal. It's not that that doesn't happen with blues or country or, or one specific type over another. But this uh, the root style music that you have, I feel like that is like one of the most special things about it. Was it? It almost feels like the information is transferred from one person to the next when they sit down together and discuss it. Yep. Yep. Uh, let's see what what else do I got on here? Because like I think we covered most of this stuff. Um, if anybody's looking for any albums, you you do have two online that are available for streaming everywhere. There are other Matt Woods out there, but there's only one Matt Woods, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I guess you'd be, you'd be you'd be surprised how many times like, well, there's there's a Matt Woods out of Tennessee that plays kind of like um, Americana style music. Not not exactly what I do, but similar enough to where we get confused a lot. And I've actually done a couple shows with him where it's just two Matt Woods on the same bill, which is kind of <laughs> a little weird for me. But um, they only have to, and, you know, I, he's a nice guy, and I know him personally. But it's like 
I'll get emails that are meant for him and he'll get emails that are meant for me. And it's just like, yeah, it's a whole, it's a whole thing. That's hilarious. Uh, well, they only have to put one name on the marquee and then just put like times two at the end. You yeah, know? that's right. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, screw that guy. You should buy my music. Instead. <laughs> oh, we're all just goofing around here. Uh, if anybody's looking for the albums, uh, tired and dirty is the one album. And then you got an album with uh, Dustin Arbuckle. That's called Arbuckle and woods. Uh, I would heavily suggest both of them. I fell in love with Tired and Dirty, and then I found out there were a few other people in my area that that really enjoyed it as well, and that was something that really kind of keyed me in on you and what you were doing. And then uh, I heard you were going to do that album with Dustin Arbuckle, and I was like, you know, what's this all about? What does this guy do? And then I went and saw you live, and I was my brain just like exploded watching you guys mesh together. So that was something that really got me interested in that, you know, and uh, not just not just your playing, but his playing as well. Not just your singing, but his singing as well. Uh, both through a clean mic and sometimes he sings through his harp mic which is one of the coolest things I've ever seen and I was just like oh that's how he's doing it you know and it's uh, once again one of those aha moments where it's like I was I thought this was all just like weird studio tips and tricks and stuff and just smoke and mirrors and it's like oh he's he can do this live without you know a rack full of processors and stuff so well, it's, Dustin uh, Dustin's one of the best in the world so don't you know I mean just so you understand that you you were witnessing one of the best harp players in, in the world Oh God, it was, it was something special. I mean, uh, I do have to say that. And it was, like I said, it was, it's so fun to see these people play live and just be like, Oh, all he's got is a microphone an amp and a harp in his mouth. And that's it. Like, that's all he's doing. It's not, like I said, there's no racks full of processors. There's no computers being hooked up to dial in tones the specific way you need to. And it's, it's beautiful. It's like that, uh, minimalism aspect of it that I think I enjoy so much. And, uh, it, uh, it certainly accentuates the purity of, of his talent. So that was one of the things I uh, definitely enjoyed. Let's see. There's nowhere, nowhere to hide. That's what it is. There's nowhere to hide. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And it's only – you hit it right on the right on the head there. So uh, as far as uh, other stuff we got here, let's see. Do, 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 do. I got, that's pretty much everything I got written down for you. And uh, believe it or not, we, we're almost at an hour perfect here. So uh, – I do want to say once again, check his music out online. If anybody's in the northern Iowa area, come up to where I hang my hat more often than not. Uh, up in Humboldt, Iowa, the KHBT 50-year anniversary. It's going to be April 24th, 2021 at 716 Main. And uh, that's going to be you and PK Mayo playing up there. Get your tickets now. They will sell out. I guarantee it. It's going to be amazing. I can't wait to go. I'm so stoked you're going to be in my area. You know, woody, woody, woot, man, it's it's so fun. Like I said, I, anytime you're anywhere near me, I'll come watch you. I've driven I've driven a long ways to come see you. And I know you have. I appreciate it. Yeah, I know you have. <laughs> and it's worth it. I'll tell everybody that. It is <laughs> worth it. Go check him out if he's if he's in a 50-mile radius of your area. It'll be worth the hour drive to go see him. You have to trust me on it. And if you don't believe me, go listen to his albums. Um, Matt... <laughs> Don't go away. I just got to say thanks for joining me. I appreciate it, man. Thanks, Peter. Appreciate it. Yep. What I tell you, Matt Woods, great guy, hardworking, always, always, always has guitar on his mind. I might take him up on that offer to uh, learn some goods from him because, boy, I tell you what, like I said, there's people in my area that I really look up to as musicians, and a lot of them actually look up to Matt for his style. Because, like, like I said before, there's not too many people doing what he's doing around our area. And uh, I've, I've traveled many miles to go see Matt. And, you know, coming up on April 24th, I'm not going to have to travel too far at all to see him. If you guys are looking for that uh, event, I'd, I'll look for it online. I'll post a link down below if I can find it. Otherwise, the info's right here. It's April 24th at 716 
in Humboldt, Iowa, and Matt Woods will be playing with a full band with PK Mayo. I am stoked for that. If you're in the area and you want tickets, hit up 716 or KHBT. Uh, there are tickets available. I'm pretty sure they're going to sell out pretty quick, though. So if you guys were looking to go to this show, you don't have anything booked, you are you're, get the weekend free, hit them up. Let's go to the show. Let's pack it full. But like I said, I'm pretty sure this show is going to sell out. Um, Matt Woods is a stellar, stellar musician, and I was glad to have him on the podcast again. I love talking to him about some of these ideas, you know, and things that I think about because he uh, he holds no quarter, and that's one of my favorite things about him. He's an honest guy. He's a hardworking guy, and that's not that's not just in music though. Um, the guy is just a stellar individual, and I love sitting down talking with him. So um, Matt, if you're listening to this episode, not everybody listens to their own episodes after the interviews are over. But Matt, if you're listening to this interview, thank you very much for joining me. I love sitting down talking with you. It's tons of fun. All right. So down below, find Matt's links. Click on them. If you're there's a, like we said in the interview, there's a couple Matt Woods. So uh, search around. Make sure you find the right guy because I've I've shown Matt Woods to some of my friends and they're like, I can't find his music again. Well, I end up sending him the links around. Well, I'll just post a couple links down below for Matt's, you know, for his music, some of his information down there. Otherwise, just go to his website. His website will be right down below in the description section. That's going to be the best place to uh, start guiding you the right direction towards this Matt Woods. And like I said before, uh, this Matt Woods is good. This Matt Woods is good at the guitar. I, like I said in the intro... We talked about it in the in the episode here. At the time I recorded this, I was not a Patreon uh, member of Matt, you know, Matt's Patreon page. But I recently became a Patreon, and I recently started going through some of the videos. And he's not messing around. That's all I gotta say. He's got great advice for people that are beginner guitarists, intermediate guitarists, and heck, I mean, even if you're beyond intermediate guitarists, there might be some good information in there for you to for you to check out. So go check that out. And uh, as you, you know, he's said he's not doing too many lessons anymore, but if you're interested in learning what he's doing, hit him up. I'm, I'm fairly certain if you're, if you're a dedicated individual and you really want to do it, he'd be more than willing to teach you how to do what he's doing. Because like we said in this episode, a lot of this is, it's that root style of music, that Americana-ish style of music is, it's almost just passed on by word of mouth, uh, almost old school style, you know, it's one of those things where sitting down with people and learning from them is, is the way that this style of music was passed on from one person down to the next. There's not too many tutorials online on how to do it, so that's one of my favorite things about going to his Patreon page. I mean, he does actually have some videos here and there on his Facebook page as well and his Instagrams. So if you're looking to, oh, what kind of stuff does Matt Woods do? Click on the links down below, listen to the tunes on his on his Facebook, on his YouTube, on his Instagram, wherever you can find his information, and uh, prepare to be wowed. That's all I gotta say. Oh man, if you're looking for other links to click on, the Audible Farm links are down below. You can check out the website, check out the YouTube, check out the Patreon, check out the shop. There's all sorts of good stuff down there. Uh, on the YouTube, there are videos of bands, there are podcast episodes with the audio versions there's clips of the video if you're interested in checking out what the patreon is all about before you end up subscribing to the patreon and uh, that patreon is one dollar a month that's twelve dollars for a year Uh, i haven't done the math but that's like 25 cents an episode or less so if you guys are looking to support audible farm monetarily check out the shop or the patreon 
And if uh, monetary support is not something you can do or don't feel like doing, just hit the subscribe button, hit the like button, share share the Audible Farm podcast with your buddies. You know, if uh, if you got a guest on here that you like, hit them up and say, hey, I heard you on Audible Farm. I really liked your interview. If you guys are looking for anything like that, that's probably the best non-monetary way to support the podcast. Um, you know, just like I said, share, share the episodes, let people know, and... Uh, you know, monetary support's nice, but it doesn't always have to be monetary. And the podcast will always be free on any streaming service as well as YouTube. I mean, that was one of my... One thing I wasn't sure about was porting over all the episodes to YouTube and putting them on there for, for free for people to listen to. But I did it um, way back in the day when I started the podcast, and it's actually proven very helpful. So if you guys are looking for something like that, maybe just subscribe to the YouTube channel. We upload other kinds of videos on there as well. A lot of it's free content. But uh, if you're looking to do monetary support, check out that shop. We have t-shirts. We have hoodies. The hoodies are in very limited supply. And uh, like I said in previous episodes, I might get some uh, other merch in there. There's stickers there as well. If you guys are looking for stickers, hit those up. Um, Yeah, so I appreciate everybody sitting down and taking the time to listen. This is uh, a labor of love for sure for me. And that's one of the things that I definitely key in on on this podcast uh you know it's not all about money but it's all about support that's what it's all about so if you guys are looking to support the audible farm podcast in any way it doesn't have to be monetary just let the artist know that you saw them on the audible farm podcast and and send your love their way all right i'll be back next week with another killer episode with another killer guest appreciate it guys we'll check you next week peace